Hello, everyone, and welcome into another episode of Crossed Up. I'm your host, Anthony Sanfilippo. Normally joined by Bob Wankel, although Bob had a uh, another medical thing this morning, so Bob will be uh, is unavailable. So pinch hitting last minute uh, is is our our usual pinch hitter, Anthony Sanfilippo Jr. What's like up, Greg, Ant? I'm, I said I'm like Greg Dobbs, um, just coming in whenever whenever you need me. Although the frequency that you come in, you're coming in about as frequently as Rodolfo Castro is at these these days. Yeah, you know, <laughs> very specific lefties. You know, there you go, there you go. Thanks for pinch hitting, Bob. Uh, hope all's well at the dock, and uh, we'll see Bob back on Monday. But wanted uh, to catch up with you, Ann, on on the fills because it's been a while since we heard from you. A um, lot going on, but uh, here we are in September, and yet again the. Uh, Phillies are, are facing their annual September swoon, so to speak. Um, although I don't think it's going to be nearly end up being nearly as bad as as it's been in the past. I mean, last year was that they were slightly under five hundred. They're five and eight right now um, in the month of September. They played a few tough teams in here, um, and to be honest with you, of the eight losses, you could just sit here and say, well, they probably could have won any one of those eight, if not all of them. Um, maybe the last game against Atlanta would be the only one I would say, you know, they, they you know, Strider pitched a really good game and, you know, it was only four to one, but um, they never were other than the one nothing lead. I don't think they were really ever in it much. Um, nevertheless, I will just kind of want to see where you're at with this team uh, as they maintain a one and a half game lead in the wild card race uh, and we enter the weekend series heading into St. Louis before they head down to Atlanta. Uh, this is, you know, the, the last road trip. Yes, they got to go to New York at the end of the season um, for a three-game series, but this is a, the last time that they're going back-to-back in two different cities uh, as we come down the stretch here and, and head into October. I mean, it's it's I, there's no concern. Like, they're going to the playoffs. Um, I know that the standings have gotten closer because of that Brave series, but the, the teams that are behind them are just so mediocre. Um, besides the Cubs, I think the Cubs are good, but Besides, besides them, like every every other team there is has so many problems, so many more issues than the Phillies have, and have proven to not be able to string together any run besides the Reds in the middle of the season randomly. Um, so like they're not going to get, they're not going to fall behind those teams. The concern is that you could lose home field if you don't get your act together pretty quick because the Cubs are going to keep winning at the same rate that they're winning, and it's only what two two and a half game lead right now. One, it's one and a half. One and a half because they just yeah 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 so, yeah. um, so that that's what you're worrying about because you you put yourself in this position you're like we're the top team that's that's in the wild card race you need to have home field you can't you can't lose that so well it's an interesting weekend because look you look at the, the Phillies are facing a bad Cardinals team who I mean although they have a decent lineup have zero pitching and they've kind of the whole team has kind of mailed it in we saw that when the Cardinals were up here. Uh, in August, how just how much they had mailed it in. The Phillies just dominated that series, sweeping them. Um, so the Phillies are in St. Louis, and the Cubs are playing the Diamondbacks in what is a monster series for both teams in a lot of ways. As the D-backs are one of those teams that are fighting for that last wild card spot. Um, so you know the Phillies can get a little bit of separation here, you know, by just taking care of business, but. It could kind of create an interesting dynamic as to, you know, 
are the are the Cubs a team that you know the Phillies are going to see in that first round? Does Arizona put it together here for a weekend and maybe catch up to the Cubs? Like it's a real interesting thing that's that's happening behind the Phillies. Um, as long as they take care of business, I agree with you; they should be fine. But well, that's a real interesting matchup uh, between between Chicago and Arizona. Yeah, I mean Chicago and Arizona. I mean, I just don't think Arizona has the pitching. If they don't. Yeah. So it like Chicago can shut them down, then it's over. Like I mean, of course Arizona could win the series and sweep the series. Even that's always a possibility, um, especially when it's coming down to the end here and like it's do or die for both of those teams. Um, you, you, the Phillies need to treat, even though they're playing besides the Braves, entirely bad teams the rest of the way. They need to treat them like playoff games. They need to show that they're they're ready, and then it can't it can't. It can't come the last series of the season only because if that happens, you might have to go on the road. So you have to treat St. Louis like it's St. Louis of last year. Like you just have to. Yeah, I was, I, I've been um, saying on here for the last couple episodes, Ant, that to me it's almost a good thing that the Phillies didn't run away and, and hide from the, from the Cubs and D-backs and Giants and Reds, right? I mean, I, I, and Marlins. Like it's almost like it's good for them that they ha- that these games have to matter in these final couple weeks of the season, so that they don't have that that lull of complacency before the playoffs starts. That the Phillies seem to be a team that that when the chips are down or is when they're at their best. And I kind of felt like you know maintaining a a close race with them actually would be beneficial for the team. Um, you know, yeah, okay, maybe you don't want to be throwing, you know, Zach Wheeler in on the last day of the season against the Mets to clinch the home field. But at the same time, if if it comes down to, you know, a couple games before that, it's not the worst thing in the world for the Phillies. I mean, yeah, they they, they that's why there's not concern because you know like they're going to like when the when the lights come on, they they always seem to rise to the occasion. But I mean, it's a matter of Making it as easy of a road as possible, um, and last like like just look at last year. The first series was no like celebratory dance that the Phillies had. Yeah. Like right. I mean, they didn't really catch fire until they went to until they played Atlanta, and it you have to be hot for a month straight in October to win the World Series. So you have to make sure that you have put yourself in a position where you're comfortable, and they're comfortable at home. We know this. So it's so 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 important to make sure you have if if they're if they need to throw Zach Wheeler on the last day and not have him for the first series, you throw him on the last day and not have him for the first series. Right. Pretty simple. Like there shouldn't that shouldn't even be something to discuss. Like you do not you want to make that first series as easy as possible because it's also it's random. It's a three game series. Like anything can happen. Give yourself the best chance to win that series and then worry about Atlanta when you go there. Um, let's talk a little bit about the pitching, Ant, because this is this has been kind of, I guess, what everybody is focusing on. You know, for for most of the summer, it was like this team is so inconsistent hitting, but because they've hit now for five weeks, everybody's everybody's like, oh, okay, everything's fine with the hitting. Well, let's complain about the pitching now. Um, Rob Thompson went on uh, his weekly appearance on WIP um, the other day, and he was asked by Joe DeCamera. Joe DeCamera said, Rob, if if the playoffs started right now, would your playoff rotation be Wheeler, Nola, um, Suarez, Walker. And 
Thompson paused and said, uh, you know, yeah, right now, if, assuming, you know, everybody's healthy and, and we're going, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and some people got a little fired up, like, whoa, 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 Christopher Sanchez, man. He's pitched great. And look, he has. And he pitched a really nice game against the Braves the other night. Um, yeah, he gave up four runs. Um, but, you know, you limit the Braves to four runs and seven and a third innings. Eh, that's a pretty good performance. And the changeup was just – it was awesome. I mean, he had 18 swing and miss uh, at the changeup alone against the Braves. What, what are your thoughts on Sanchez, and should he be given an opportunity to start in the postseason, or does he, you know, play better in, in a playoff series, especially a short series, as a weapon that you can bring out of the bullpen because he throws a little bit different than most of the other rest of the pitchers that you have out there? Sanchez is a matchup guy. Um, he matches up well against the Braves. I don't yeah. see him matching up. Like, against the first series um, – he would match up well against maybe the Reds, I would say. But everyone yeah. else, I wouldn't throw Sanchez. I mean, because the lineups that you're facing aren't as overpowering. So that changeup means less. So you go to your your regular, your power guys against them. And then if you get to a second round against the Braves, that's where you could see a Sanchez start because a change that changeup it, it throws hitters off because the Braves and the Dodgers are both green light teams. They see fastball, they hit fastball. So, like, that's where Sanchez will have value as a starter. Um, the first series, leave him in the bullpen um, if you need him. But there's no – like, those teams aren't – they're not going to be green light – there's not green light players as much on those teams. Um, maybe maybe the Cubs a little bit, but not not real. Those, those hitters, they're just smart hitters more so than anything. They're not going to – they're not going to kill you with a long ball. So, right. Sanchez is better against – big hitting teams so save like save his arm too if you have a series so maybe he can throw a game one even against atlanta in the second round if because you know that whoever throws games one and two of that series likely aren't going to be ready to throw game one of the brave series so i think i think that makes more sense um than giving him a start in the in the wild card round well so this is this is and this is, i wrote about this um yesterday and this was kind of a thing and it's kind of, and i'm glad you mentioned it the way you did because um, let, let's put it this way. Let, let's just say you're going. I don't think they have confidence. First of all, in in turning it over, turning a uh, winner go home game over to Sanchez, right? And in, in let's say a game three of a, of the wild card round, right? So you you got to assume that they're going to go with you know who they know and who they trust, who's been there before, and so you know it's going to be Wheeler, Nolo, Suarez is probably more, is your one, two, three. Um. But just so if if that happens, then you will need a fourth starter for game one. But the way that they the calendar is breaking down this year, the the Phillies will are it's not going to be like last year. The National League got the American League TV schedule, so there's an extra off day built into the NLDS this year. So you go game one off day, game two off day, games three and four off day. And then a game five there. So there's technically could be if in a five game series, there could be three off days, which allows you to throw Wheeler twice, even if he doesn't throw game one in that series. So now the question then becomes, if you win the first round in two games, do you need a number four starter against the Braves? Or does he still play better in your in your mind as a reliever who can be deployed at any time 
even if it is against the Braves, who are more of a free-swinging team. And I will say, I had a conversation with Taiwan Walker, and he talked about that. He said, as good as that offense is, there's, there is a lot of swing and miss. And so maybe you know a guy like Sanchez, like you said, plays better against them because they're hunting fastballs. And if, he, if they're out there swinging against uh, that changeup, that's why they had 18 swings and misses against him. Um, does it make more sense to deploy him out of the bullpen when you think, you know, even multi-inning role, tough matchup against Olsen, you know, lefty-lefty kind of situation? Or do you give him a start anyway, even though you probably don't need your number four starter in that series? And I think that's that's the question that really needs to be asked. Obviously, if you, if you go three games in the first round, you're going to need a number four starter in the second. But if you only if you win the first round in two, you don't need a number a number four starter in the second round. So what what then do you do with Sanchez? They're going to use four starters regardless. Um, I think so. Yes, I think so because okay. I mean you think of it. Yeah, you can start game one and then an off day game two, off day game three, four days to game four, and then same thing from two to five, four days. But we know that they've been trying to save these pitchers and make sure they're good enough for the whole run of the postseason and not kill them early. So it doesn't make sense when you have a fourth guy that will match up well and he's there, you're going to use him. And I think it doesn't make as much sense if you're going to um, – yeah, well, I keep watching that fly fly in your face. <laughs> it's been alive for three days. I don't know. I can't catch it. It's been bothering me so much. It's this one fly. Um but uh, anyways, so I think he's more valuable as a starter because if you pull him out of the bullpen, you get an innings to two innings worth of him fooling hitters, you hope. That can help you in a game. Will that win a game? No. It won't win you a game. And guess what? If you keep doing that game after game, if he comes in multiple games, it gives the other team a chance to adjust and make sure they line up the right guys against him. And against smart teams like the Braves – they might not uh, let if you if you're coming out of the pen. They might not let certain guys take certain approaches against him because they'll know better. So I think it makes more sense to start him and force force that lineup to face him, um, force the hand of the other team. And at the end of the day, like you're gonna use four starters regardless, pretty much. So whenever it makes the most sense, which is probably game one, because you know you can go two five with Wheeler. Then you can go three, four, Nola Suarez at home um, and really tr- try to put them in a situation where it's difficult to win. So I just don't I just don't see him coming out of the pen being useful um, in the way like like a Ranger is um, like from last year. I just don't see that same kind of value with Sanchez. He's he's valuable as a starter. Use him as a starter. And I mean, later in seven game series, if we get down that to that path, that can be re- reevaluated. But as of where it stands, I don't see him uh, as a reliever. What about the bullpen, Ant? How are you looking at the bullpen? I, mean, I know a lot of people are, are worried about the bullpen because there's been some, there's been a, there were a few shaky outings on the homestand. A few guys just, you know, are, have been hit or miss. I mean, Dominguez has just not been himself all year. Really isn't getting a lot of swing and miss on his stuff this year. Um, his, his strikeout rate is way down. Uh, Gregory Soto, he's the box of chocolates. You don't know what you're going to get with him when he comes into a game. Um, uh, both Alvarado and Kimbrel have had um, a couple of shaky outings, although they've also kind of reset themselves and, and, and kind of gotten back with a couple of decent uh, appearances. 
And then you have a guy like you have guys like Jeff Hoffman who have been really, really good. Matt Strom, who's real good in a one inning appearance. If you go multiple innings, he then that's where he gets hit. Uh, the second in second inning uh, or third inning in one case this on that homestand. Um, so how, how do you look at the bullpen? How do you line it up, especially when you think, you know, okay, now Michael Lorenzen's going to probably fit into the bullpen in some role uh, as well. How do you look at that bullpen and, 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 I, and identify who fits what role? Um, you, shorter leashes. <laughs> um, <laughs> you have, since you have extra guys coming into the pen from this rotation now, like these bullpen arms, like you three guys and you're done. If you can't prove it, I mean, there's the only exceptions are Alvarado and Kimbrel. You kind of let them go a little bit, right. um, but there's no when you when you're in the playoffs and you're adding these arms from your rotation. And Lorenzen's going to be like a Strom. He's going to be the similar thing to Matt Strom, I think, out of the pen. And he he has been in the past when he comes out of the pen. So you have those two guys who are going to serve that role, and they can they can pitch every other day, kind of thing. One pitches one day, one pitches the next day. And then you have Alvarado and Kimbrell at the back end. That's four innings right there. Three innings if you rotate them. Um, so your Sotos, your Dominguez's, your Hoffman's, like you get three batters. Don't don't play with fire because they're they haven't been consistent. They haven't proven anything. So um, what's nice is you get these bad teams. You don't, you're not afraid to show what you got. Um, just go out and beat them. Uh, I understand with the Braves, you're trying to keep your cards a little bit closer to your chest because you're going to run into them. But against the Cardinals and the Mets, like give these guys their shots now because if they can't figure it out, they're three batters and done. I don't care if they strike all three batters out, you're done. You can't trust them for more than three batters. Like just let them exhaust themselves, give them every, like throw their hardest and everything, and then be like, all right, well, I can't trust you to do more than that. So. That's where the bullpen stands. Okay, I guess the I guess just to uh, dive in just a little bit deeper on it. So you you look at you know, Dominguez has kind of always been your seventh inning guy, right? In this in this kind of setup, I mean, if you're going Alvarado is your eight and and uh, Kimbrel's your nine or vice versa, depending on matchups. If Dominguez has always kind of been your seven, has Hoffman passed him from the right side? Is Hoffman the guy that's more trustworthy right now? Because, if for no other reason, because Dominguez has not been himself more so than Hoffman has been great. But other than the fact that Hoffman's been pretty good, you know, when you've called upon him, I think it's similar to like Christopher Sanchez. Like Hoffman matches up well against hard hitting teams. Dominguez does not because he's been very prone to the gopher ball this year. So against a weaker team, you go with the guy that's got the better stuff, and you 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 hope he figures it out. Um, Hoffman would be like if, if if it was the Braves, I would rather have Hoffman throwing the seventh than Dominguez. But um, if it's the Reds, if it's the if it's the Diamondbacks, if it's the Cubs, I'd still rather see Sir Anthony Dominguez out there because like he's he's faced these kinds of teams before and he can shut them down. So I mean, it's all going to. I mean, if if Dominguez continues to just can, implode these last two weeks then you, you can't you can't trust him at all but as long as he like steadies the ship or stays even keel these last two weeks he's your seventh inning guy in the first series and, and from the left side again you know you assumed soto was going to be that guy and and there are outings where 
he's over he's, he's dominant he's he's overwhelmingly good and then there are outings where he's just overwhelmingly bad and he's all over the place with his consistency meanwhile in the past month they've brought strom into tough situations he struck out um juan soto second and third with two outs he struck out otani uh with two outs in an inning uh, he got him out of an inning against the Marlins with the bases loaded and two outs um, against it was John Birdie was the batter wasn't a great hitter struck him out same thing against um, if you go back uh, to July against Baltimore he came into a tough spot against Colton Kowser with runners in scoring position struck him out um, when he pitches that first inning he seems to be fine and I wrote that he's like a sugar rush and you don't don't let it go until the crash right like if he's if he's a shorter he, you know, if he's good in a short spurt, then that's who you. That's what you go with. Don't make it. Don't extend it. Do you? Do you look and say if it's a seventh inning tougher lefty, does Strom now get that call instead of Soto? Yes, it shouldn't even be a question. I mean, <laughs> okay. it's, it's not even close. Like uh, Soto, it, like he's never in his career been able to figure out. He's been this way since the jump like he's always been this way and he's proven nothing over multiple years to have been anything less than inconsistent (laughs) like so when it comes to the postseason that's not good enough i'm sorry like in in, if strom's tired and you've thrown him like multiple times then you give him his shot but strom's proven more than soto has so you give it to strom like if you see cody bellinger in the seventh inning I want Strom on the mound. I don't want Soto on the mound. Like it's not even like it's not even a question. So because Soto Soto will more inclined to miss a spot and just hang something, and that includes a fastball. Hang a fastball and get crushed. (laughs) Well, it's funny that you say that because the one thing I think that I that I like about Strom, I mean, he doesn't have anything special. He's just really deceptive. Right, because he's lanky, his delivery's kind of like funky. He hides the ball really well, and and even though he's only throwing, you know, ninety three, ninety four, that ball kind of looks like ninety nine because he's got that long extension, and you don't see the ball till late. Like I mean, he's it's a it's a unique delivery, and so I think that that's what's what's interesting about him. Um, is Lorenzen purely a multi inning guy early, or can you see a world where he gets called upon? In a, in a bigger spot later in the game. No, I can see him getting called a spot like this. He's he's like strong. He's like very similar build, very similar. I mean, obviously, he's a righty, but you're looking at a situation where if you need to get an out and you're going to Michael Lorenzen, you're gonna like tell him to throw as hard as he can and get do do his thing at to his fullest ability without worrying about what happens next inning you, you really in the playoffs you can't worry about next inning as often you have to just figure it out and then like get get through what you're going getting through and then figure it out the next inning and what's nice is they have all of these guys because like we're i'm saying like yeah don't give soto a chance yeah sir anthony only limited chances like if that's the if you if you're gonna do that and you're gonna throw lorenzen and strom and say the same game Guess what? If you figure it out and get to the next inning, you get to give these guys chances. You, what, the bullpen, as inconsistent as it is, is deep. So you have opportunities to keep going to guys and figuring it out as the game goes on. 
So I, I don't think it's as much of a concern about throwing multiple innings in the bullpen. And this is why I keep saying that I'm not worried about the bullpen ultimately. And I think it's exactly what you just said is the fact of the matter is, is that even though there are, there are guys who have been inconsistent or guys who don't look themselves or whatever the case might be, the reality of the fact is that the Phillies have so many options and they're, they have a lot of options from both sides of the plate, both the, or both sides of the rubber, rather, lefts, lefties and righties. And, and so that they can play almost a matchup game, which they they haven't really done in the regular season. I mean, here and there they play the matchup game, but you know they they can really Gabe Kapler the hell out of it, right? I mean, and 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 go whatever you know whatever you got coming up in your lineup, and then force you to make a decision: Do I let these guys bat or do I bring in my guys off the bench? And then okay, you might have an advantage here in the sixth inning, but guess what? The rest of the way I'm going to have the advantage because I have enough bullets out there that I can you know I can bring out and 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 fire at you. And and I think that that's what makes the Phillies dangerous because of how diverse their bullpen is and deep it is. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's spot on. I mean, I think that they can definitely leverage that against teams. Um, and it, it's different with the Braves. It always is because um, the Braves aren't going to ever have to make substitutions because they're that good. Um, so, but like at the same time, like when you're facing these first teams in the first round, you know you're getting micromanagement from them. Like, you know it's going to be um, every, like you and I might have 20 guys playing a game um, for each of the first for that first series because it's it's three games you got to win two you got to figure it out so having a bullpen that's as deep as this is is nice even though like they're not consistent it's not like they're dominant they're not that's not what they are but it gives you options and so when you have options you can take bigger risks by like throwing starters out of the pen to get big outs and know that next inning you have a regular bullpen guy that can come in and pitch that you're not like a hundred percent on, but is someone that can do the job if they're if they're on. So you take that chance. You you go with the guy that makes the most sense in the spot, and then figure it out the next inning. It's too short of a series. You can't you can't worry about tomorrow. You can't worry about oh we threw seven guys today. Like don't worry about that. Figure figure it out. So. Um, from looking at switching it up and, and now going over to the lineup, uh, what we've seen for the past month and a half from you know Turner and Schwarber and and Harper has been pretty unbelievable. All three guys have been beyond you know what you would even expect from them, even at their very best. I mean, they're putting up numbers that are just eye popping. I mean, when Kyle when Kyle Schwarber over the last couple games against the Braves kind of took a you know a small step back but not a terrible one I mean just a small one um, but he was basically on a 450 on base percentage clip for over a month and then you know Trey Turner hitting 10 homers in, in 11 games during that stretch and and then Harper doing his thing like it, how sustainable is what this offense has been doing and they've been going good now for six weeks how sustainable is that even into the playoffs in 2023 with pitching really being for the most part throttled in this sport. Um, I know there's a few guys that have done a nice job and they might face like a Justin Steele or a Zach Gallon or a Strider, um, uh, you know, Max Freed in, in the first, we're just looking the first couple rounds who have had good seasons, but there's not a lot of dominant pitching in baseball right now. 
because I think it's because of the way that the game is going uh, with with their rules. How is it more sustainable this year, maybe, than it would have been in the past? When you say, "Oh, you're going to face tougher pitching in the playoffs." No, I think that things will revert a little bit in the playoffs. Okay, um, I just because. I mean, I know the pitch clock's not going anywhere. They're not changing the time or anything like that, and the players aren't happy about it. Um, but I think guys that have been that in the playoffs, they're going to come in with better game plans. They're going to come in knowing what they're going to do in situations. They're going to pitch more so than throw. Um, so I do think it's not diff- it's going to be different. Like it's not going to just be a cakewalk like it has been all year to hit pitching. Um, that being said, this team can get we, – we know they can get hot and they can stay hot. And I think it's more important to get going right before the playoffs than it is to try to start it up in, in the playoffs. And that means not this week, but next week, they have to be at peak form again. Um, and they could go all the way through it, but it's just like, it's, it's, it's less expected for you to be hot for three months straight. So it's more, more important about – Go, getting going in, getting your reps in right now. Taking like taking a step back, making sure you, you you play smart, you win the games. But for on the offensive side of things, like don't kill yourself right now. It's it's the exact opposite of the pitching. The pitching needs to needs to like go out there and shut things down because you know the offense is going to score some runs no matter what. But the offense right. needs to take its time and pace itself because you can't burn out in the playoffs. No, and, and that's fair. Um, so, with that said, if if things are going to take a have a little bit of a regression uh, in the postseason, does it concern you that the Phillies are a boomer bust offense? That the, what's made them so good for the past six weeks is the fact that they are freaking just killing the ball, um, but that when it comes to you know, your approach with runners in scoring position, uh, et cetera, et cetera, that they seem to struggle a little bit more in, in, in getting moving runners along and, and getting them home and, and et cetera. Um, well, I don't think the Phillies are as boom or bust as people like to say they are. Um, yeah, they're, they're guys, Schwarber, Turner, Harper, obviously are. And it reflects a little bit more, not to – get into a lineup discussion here when you have them all back to back to back at the top of the lineup that sure if they boom they boom but you don't give them a chance to boom in big spots as often um but the rest of the lineup is that like bryson stott we know what he can do we know alec bohm is very good with runners in scoring position and i mean i know he's been in a little bit of a slump recently but he's been good all year long Castellanos is streaky, but like he can also hit in big spots. Like it's not like they're boomer bust all the way through that lineup. They just aren't. They, they their best guys are boomer bust, but that's okay. Like you're gonna have boomer bust guys in your lineup, and it's a matter of if you can string together good things around them to give them a chance to boom when it matters most, to hit three run homers and hit grand slams, and not back-to-back solo shots that gets you two runs on the board and it's like oh great we, we really boomed that inning like it's it's understanding like there are other factors in this lineup that can help contribute and if they're if if they get stuck going back to back to back trying to single 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 then it feels like they're 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 struggling in the uh with runners scoring position when really you can get three hits in an inning and not score a run 
Like it's just because you don't have guys that are driving the ball mixed in with them. There's just, there's just not a mix. And that's the concerning part for me is that they don't mix their hitters and they can be as great as they want. If, if you're not cleverly like putting them between each other where they belong, then you're not going to score all those runs consistently. You can boom some games and you'll bust other games, but like the lineup isn't inherently boom or bust. You're making it that way. So that's, that's where my concern is. Yeah, it's interesting. As much as we complain about them with runners in scoring position, they are just their league average. I mean, could they be better? For sure. Um, but, you know, with runners in scoring position, they're hitting 258. Um, and OPS is 752, um, which is basically league average, right? I mean, it's, I think league average is 753. So, I mean, it's, you know, it, it, they're doing basically what, what the, what the, what the average team in, in baseball does. And, you know, um, so it's it's not as bad as you think. I, I think because we are watching this team in a vacuum and we see it happen, you go, oh, my God, they need to be better getting those guys home. But it's it's not so bad. Here's the question. You, you bring up the lineup. And I know that you don't you're not a fan of of the way the lineup is constructed. But doesn't it when you have the boomer bus guys in those spots where they're going to bat more frequently than anywhere else? Does it make at least some some sense to you when you look at it and say, this year, as opposed to last year, the bottom of the lineup, the guys towards the bottom are or regularly towards the bottom are getting on base with a lot more frequency. So therefore, you're giving them the opportunities to have those booms with more guys on base. And maybe they would have if they were batting one, two, three um, when the bottom of the lineup was not getting on base. I think that's a logical fallacy. I mean, like the bottom of the lineup. No, it is. It is. It really is. I love it. I love when you say shit like that. So that here's the thing. You have better players than you do last year. That's the nature of it. Like just because you have better players and just because they're getting on more at the bottom of the lineup than they did in the past, they're at the bottom of the lineup. They're getting on less than the people at the top of the lineup, generally speaking. And the problem isn't as much that Schwarber's not getting opportunities. Schwarber's actually getting opportunities because the lineup's pretty deep and their guys are getting on. It's that Turner and Harper aren't getting opportunities because Schwarber's driving them in. And because when they're not on, like you, you, you just you have one, two, three, boom, boom, boom. And I know Harper's been batting four recently, but like you can't have those guys back to back to back because that doesn't help you any. You're not, you're not divvying it up because it, the problem isn't when you have guys getting on at the bottom of the lineup for the top of the lineup. That's not when your problems happen. Your problems happen when after the top of the lineup's on batting, you have to wait till you get back to it to get all that boom back. So, like, even if you get a hit from Stott, a hit from Marsh, that's not a run. That's Like, you can hit 400 and not score a run as a team. You have six guys in a row you're going through that aren't as big of boom guys. So, it's not like – I'm not asking them to intersperse the Harper, Schwerber, and Turner throughout the lineup. Why not something like 1-3-5 if you're going to put Schwerber at one still? Put guys in between them. Put a Bohm or a Sot and a Castellanos in between. Give these guys chances to spread out that boom so that you can hit them. And guess what? That doesn't change the bottom of the lineup, really. You still have the same guys that are batting at the bottom of the lineup that have been batting at the bottom of the lineup all year. You're just giving opportunities in new situations to guys that are now hitting. Like, Turner keeps coming up and hitting these home runs, and no one's on base unless Schwarber walks. Like, no one's ever on base when Turner hits a home run because he's batting behind Schwarber. Like, 
Schwarber's going to either hit a home run or be on first. Like, there's no other two ways around it, which is fine. That's good because Schwarber gets on base a lot right now. But, like, give these guys their opportunities to make these moments bigger. Because as, as all these big home runs that Harper's hitting, and I know that it's more so because the bullpen's blowing it um, and they're not getting it done. But, like, they're two-run homers. They're one-run homers. They're, they're big moments, but they can be bigger. They can be game-winning moments instead, like just game-ending moments. Like instead of just big hits, like it's just crazy to me that they just keep insisting that this is going to work. This is just going to work in the long run, and it just doesn't. It just it proved it's been proven not to. And if they win, great. But it's despite this. It's not because of this. And they just keep insisting that this is part of the reason they will win. And I just I vehemently disagree. Yeah, that's that's kind of interesting. You know, they only have um, seventeen rerun homers this year. Yeah, uh, and and they have two, and they have two grand slams. Um, so it's really kind of interesting. So nine of the of the what hundred and whatever home runs that they've hit, uh, only nineteen have been more than two run um, out of yeah. uh, all season long. So uh, that 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 kind of addresses your point. Um, one other item I want to get to as far as the, the Phillies are concerned, you, you look kind of so we talked about the bottom of the lineup, and um, it, it, there seems to be a little bit of uh, of a battle kind of kind of brewing at the bottom of the lineup, and it's really a three person race at this point, um, and it's really between Jake Cave, um, uh, Johan Rojas, and Christian Pache. And right now, I think, and there's still two weeks to go, but right now I would say, uh, you know, they're, they're alternating these guys and giving them opportunities. Obviously, Cave's not going to face a lefty, um, um, but Pache's faced lefties, Cave's faced righties, and then Rojas has kind of faced both. And they, they their thought process with him is he's better against guys with velocity. Um, and, and I think that's a way of, that's just their nice way of saying he's good at hitting fastballs, but he can't hit anything else. Um, who, who should play the most of those guys in your mind? I mean, just not Jake Cave. <laughs> like, you have two stud defensive players in Rojas and Pache. Um, and Rojas will get hits. He won't drive the ball. And Pache has been, I mean, he's coming back from injury still. Like, he's still trying to get back into the swing of things. Um, you trust his back comes around, but Cave's a quad A player. Like, let's stop pretending. Great guy. He's a quad A player. He always has been. He always will be. Like, he sh- he he can come up and maybe be a pseudo Matt Stairs against a righty sometime in the playoffs. But don't give him regular at bats. It's 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 like as good as he was was at tri- at AAA. And as much as we said we can't ignore this, we have to give him a shot. He's hitting two thirty. Like, come on. Like, it, it, stop yeah. stop messing around with that. There's no reason that you should be giving Jake Cave any starts in this lineup. Um, you, you hope that Pache's back comes back around, um, but Rojas, I mean, I don't. He's 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 Ben Revere. Uh, you've seen him before. You know what you know what you're getting with Rojas. I mean, he's young, so he can still figure stuff out. But like right now, for this team, he's a Ben Revere, which doesn't uh, add a lot except for the fact that he's reliable. He's going to get hits. Like he's just going to get a hit. Like so, I'd rather have someone that's more reliably going to get a hit in the lineup than someone like Jake Cave and play great center field defense. Not that Cave's a bad defender. He's really good in left, but he can't play center. Um, and you see the difference. Really, the, the key is those two have to play, Pache and uh, Rojas, because putting Marsh in left 
is a game changer. Is an absolute. He's a Gold Glove left fielder. I've said it since he's gotten here. He's a fantastic left fielder and not a great center fielder. And you put him out there, and you see, you're seeing the catches he's making out there. You're like, oh my god, like that's saving doubles, like game after game. So it's more important to have Martian left than it is to have Jake Cave maybe hit a home run. <laughs> like, you know, it's a good point. Um, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see what they do because Marsh really struggles against left-handed pitching. So if they face a lefty in the playoffs, are you are you putting both Pache and Rojas in the lineup and Marsh is on your bench? Um, is, it that, is it that much of a platoon because of how much he struggled against left-handed pitching? I, I, I don't think so. I think you start okay. Marsh with lefties. I mean, it, he's mainly because... You're you're here. You're going to try to ride your guys and and believe in them. So Marsh has been your guy all year. You give him those shots. I mean, he's going to give you good defense. And also, part of it, what part of it is, is that if a lefty starts, how many times they're facing Marsh at the bottom of the lineup? Twice. Not facing him a third time. So you only right. you only get two at bats of that. And then by then, you're going to force a lefty into the game if they want to platoon. If they want to get Marsh, and that sometimes means you're not going to get their best reliever because they want to go lefty on lefty with Marsh and it improves your chances of everyone around him. And then you can kind of pinch it for him at that point. If they keep yeah. going lefties. That's a good point. That's a good point. All right, Ann, I know we got to wrap this up here pretty soon. I know this is a, a last minute fill in and your time was limited and I appreciate you hopping on. I know Bob will appreciate you hopping in, but as we always do, we always do one last thing uh, that really kind of ties something in from, from outside of uh, the Philadelphia baseball market. And I got a couple of things, you know, this year in, in baseball, a lot of the big markets that you expect to act, you know, have, have, uh, or be involved and be in the season and, you know, in, in, in this time of year, be in games are not involved. We've, when we've, chronicled the the mess that's new york both on uh, the Mets side and the yankee side but then big news breaks yesterday where the red sox uh you know boston's always the team that's near the top and and they're not going to make the playoffs this year they fired Chaim bloom after just four seasons shocker at, shocker. at running the show um, I know you were never a, a, a big fan, but why doesn't that? Why didn't that work? I mean, that was a team that won the World Series in 2018, although you know they, they probably cheated a little bit there, right? Uh, why? Why did didn't it work for Bloom in Boston? Well, I mean, multiple things. Um, maybe the worst trade in baseball history that came that started this whole thing uh, with moving Mookie Betts. Um, which was, I think, think that was technically before Bloom got there. Uh, I think that was made, and then they hired, they like promoted Bloom into that yeah. role, or he, he might have orchestrated. I don't know. I don't remember exactly. So you kind of put yourself behind the eight ball. Uh, the Red Sox are cheap, generally speaking, and the reason that they were able to be cheap is because they knew they're going to sell because they're the Red Sox, and they hot went and hired Mister Tampa Bay Shane Bloom, um, who's a local Philadelphia guy, by the way. Um, and, and, a, and a lot of people wanted here. Yeah, but no, um, he, he, he's one of those guys who is trying to win entirely on the margins and it's, that doesn't work. You can't win yeah. entirely on the, you can build for the margins and try to steal things here and there, but you can't just like, you didn't sign Bogarts. I mean, I know Bogarts is not worth all the money he's getting, but like, what do they have? Like, they have a they have a culture problem in there because Verdugo is a mess. 
And like Devers is the only guy that they have. And they've never like consistently added any talent that's been there for multiple years. They just kind of get hired guns that come in and aren't anything special. Like, no, of course you're fired, dude. Like <laughs> he's young. He'll get a job. I'm not worried about him, but like <laughs> he doesn't, it's not the right approach. You can't, you can't just build on the margins. You can build for the margins and try to steal things on the margins, but that's not the, that's not what you're going to, it's not what's going to win. And it's, it still hasn't worked in Tampa as many wins as they can run up every year. They, they never win in the playoffs. And there's a, there's a reason for that. So, and they kill pitchers. Well, that's not yeah, yeah. <laughs> they absolutely kill their pitchers. All right, if I had to ask you right now, uh, two uh, again, we're looking outside of Philadelphia, the two teams that are going to get those last wild cards. So I think it's fair to say that you know, we think that the Cubs are going to be in in the National League, um, yes. even if the Diamondbacks go and, and beat them this weekend in Arizona. Um, but we think that the Cubs are going to be in. Who gets the last wild card spot in the National League, and who gets that last wild card spot in the American League, which has kind of become a two horse race uh, between Texas and Seattle? Well, not even. I mean, after what happened uh, this past week, where Texas swept Toronto out of the playoffs, right now Toronto's a game and a half out. Or Toronto, that's right. I forgot about Toronto too. That's right. Yeah, there, yeah, there yeah. Are three so, up there. so Texas and Se- Texas is in the the second wild card spot now. Seattle's in the bottom one, but I still yeah. think that Toronto wins that. I know that they're Jekyll and Hyde, and they have been all year. Um, they're just too good of a team to miss out. And I don't know if it's Texas or Seattle that slips. I mean, Texas is obviously red hot right now and just swept Toronto. But one of those teams slips because neither of those teams are complete. Uh, Seattle's probably more likely to slip. Uh, they rely on how hot Julio Rodriguez can get, and he's not. He's, he's very streaky. He's a very good player, but he's very streaky. Um, and when he's not on, that offense is lukewarm at best. So I think Toronto still gets in and probably Seattle misses. Um, in the National League, I think it's the Cubs. Um, I think they're far and away the best of the crop behind the Phillies. And then after that, uh, I mean, it's anyone's race, but I think the best team after that is the Marlins, mm-hmm. even though they're probably not going to get it just because – there's so much going on there. There's the Marlins don't have as the op, as many opportunities as these other teams have to beat teams in front of them. So, but I think the Marlins are the best team out of that crop, and they can kind of turn it on here at the end and 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 steal it. Um, and honestly, can win a series. They can beat Milwaukee. I think not that they can beat the Dodgers, but I think they can beat like a Milwaukee. So I would pick the Marlins right now. Yeah, and I, I kind of agree with you. Um, the one thing about the, the one thing that's interesting with the Texas Seattle situation is Texas, for all the money they spent on pitching, has no pitching right now. Well, yeah, and I mean, and Seattle actually has good pitching, and like you said, the lineup is is kind of lame behind uh, behind Rodriguez, right? That's really kind of a kind of an interesting uh, interesting thing. I, I, can and the last question I want to ask you is as far as the American League. Is there anybody who can take down Houston at this point in your mind? <laughs> Honestly, I, I, I really I think Toronto is the only team, is yeah, I think. A, but they have to get in. So yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, and what's not what's what's interesting about it is that Toronto, if Toronto gets in, they get Houston in a five game series because they'll yeah. be the six. And I think yeah. kind of that's what you want in the American League. You want the six because you want to get the Twins um, and and just beat the Twins because they're the Twins. Um, 
And then, yeah, you get Houston after that. But that way, like, the four or five have to face each other. Like, it's already a bloodbath. They already – whoever they are, they hate each other. And then right. you're going to get um, – well, they're going to face Tampa or Baltimore. That's what I meant. Um, yeah. So if you don't want to be that five. You're going to you're gonna have to beat both American League East teams to yeah. get to the ALCS. So, um, yeah. yeah, I think Toronto has the best chance of beating Houston. But, you know, if you had a pick right now, Houston's back in the Houston. World Series. Houston's going back to the World Series, yeah. yeah. I agree with you on that. I got agree. We find that we agree on a lot of these things. Maybe, you know, maybe uh, different different path, paths to get there, but I think that we agree on a lot. Well, listen, Ant, I appreciate you uh, hopping on and, and, and filling in for Bob. Um, for everybody who wants to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter. The show is at Up Phillies. Uh, I'm at Ant San Philly. Bob's at Bob underscore Wankel. Uh, you cannot follow Anthony Jr. on Twitter because he refuses to be on, um, nope. which, which is a riot. Um, <laughs> but, uh, hey, it's, it's all good. It's all good. And don't forget to subscribe to Bob's Phillies newsletter uh, at www.redoctoberphilly.com. comes into your inbox free every morning at around 9 o'clock. Um, you get a, a quick Phillies update. Um, so, yeah, be sure to, uh, to do that. And then. Um, uh, don't forget to subscribe if you haven't uh, to this podcast. If you just found us, thanks for joining us. But subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. You can uh, find you can ask Alexa to play Crossed Up a Phillies podcast, and she'll do it for you. Um, so thanks for all that. Uh, be sure to tune in with us Monday. I think Bob will be back. We'll break down the the Cardinal series and and, and look ahead to the rematch in Atlanta. Um, but until then, uh, for Anthony, I'm Anthony, and. Uh, Get, get well, Bob, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>